Welcome, welcome to 720 and 720. Once again, I'm John Schulman, and we are thrilled to have a big-timer on with us who's got an amazing story. I got a chance to meet him a couple years ago. He came and spoke for us at Macaulay at the Dr. Pepper Classic. Ryan Leaf, welcome to 720 and 720. How you doing? I'm great, Coach. Thanks for having me. Well, you're a big-timer, man. You've got an amazing story, and the best thing about you is not your looks, um, there, Ryan Lee. The best thing uh, about you is is your story, and that you're okay with telling your story. And um, well, well, I think it's just you know, it's it's life, you know. Well, the the rest you know. of us, the everybody, everybody's got issues. Everybody walking around has issues, and then. But 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 very few of us are in the public eye, and you're in the public eye, and and big time in the public eye. But because you're in the public eye, I think you can help more people with your story than the normal person. Because I mean, there's no way the second pick in the NFL draft can can fall. There's that can't happen, and it did happen. And you uh, were nice enough and human enough to let the rest of us know about it. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah, I just I've I've never necessarily looked at it that way. I think I looked at it that way for a long time, and that's what kind of kept me down. That I thought my story was more I was more important for some reason or more unique. But when I stand in front of a group full of people, I guarantee you that if one of the audience members came up and simply told their life story, their their human existence, uh, they've helped. They've had to deal with some sort of adversity, and they've gone gotten through it. Um, we're just all flawed human beings trying to be better every single day and i think that's imperative to remember mine just has some unique kind of turns here and there and usually when you associate nfl and well 31 million dollars in the conversation it, it kind of gets your foot in the door sometimes and people may may listen up but right, i know for a fact and because i because i've heard other people te- other people tell their testimony in their story they've been just as impactful as anything that i that i will say well i i, I understand that and you're you're being modest and, and nice uh but what you've done and what you did for us at macaulay uh i still remember going back in that back room and i remember going there early and there were some younger guys in there and i was like who are those guys what who are and then i remembered we got a very prominent doctor uh, that's involved with Macaulay, and he brought some guys who were struggling with addiction, and um, he brought those guys down from an area from from their kind of their rehab, and and just to listen to you, and for those guys, listen, most famous people, and yes, you're famous. Most famous people don't want to go there, and they'd rather hide from it, and you didn't hide, and it's amazing how many people that you're helping on the daily <laughs> on a daily level. You're helping a lot of people. Uh, you just need to know that. I appreciate that. Um, it's it's wonderful to hear. Um, I, I, I still am the guy that uh, is used to hearing what a what an what an ass he was, and that's that 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 makes more sense to me. My default setting is still kind of like less than, and you know I'm working on it every single day, and I really appreciate it. The more I get out there and try to be of service, I think helps helps take me in that direction as well. Well, what you you probably think, it, and I used to think this a long time ago. You'd lose a game, and you really thought everybody the next day um, was at the water cooler talking about your game, and and they talked about what a bad coach I was, and this and that, and I can't believe they lost a game. Uh, and then I went out there in the real world for a second, 
and nobody really cared. <laughs> That's what I figured out. So I want you to understand that nobody's talking about Ryan Leaf uh, having issues and the second pick, and it just didn't work out. They, they're, they're thinking about their own issues, so at least that takes a little pressure off of you. Ain't nobody talking about and, and reminiscing about your failures at this moment. Well, I, I appreciate Yeah, You know, I'm definitely not thinking about that um, like I used to, right? It was always about um, someone else. And right now, what other people think of me is entirely none of my business. And uh, and I, I use that as a mantra and and uh, affirmation I say in the mirror every single day. And it's been it's been helpful. Well, we're going to talk about some positive things. The first positive thing, how's a kid from Montana, uh, a country kid from Montana, go become uh, a finalist for a Heisman uh, at Washington State? And by the way, if you were at Washington State now under Leach, oh my good God, you'd be breaking, <laughs> you would be breaking records and probably still as crazy as you were at that moment, maybe even crazier. So how does that kid from Montana become a Heisman candidate? Well, you know, it's uh, it's a lot of hard work, a lot of um, you know vision. I just I have this dream and this goal, and uh, you know a lot of help from a lot of people too. You know, my dad was very helpful in bringing me along, and then Mike Price, uh, the head coach at the time, just you know really taught me how to play the quarterback position, and uh, and, and then and my teammates. I mean, I, we have an amazing team. Football is the the epitome of a team sport. It really is. Other sports, you can you know, one individual can really kind of sway some teams, but that isn't the case in football, right? You have to have everybody functioning and doing the right thing at the same time to be successful. And you know, we simply had a great, great team of 100, and well, we had about a, oh, 110 players on that team, and we just we just came together finally in a in a moment that that defined greatness for that school, and it allowed me to to get some pretty cool pretty cool, cool accolades that came with it and, and being a part of the Heisman Trophy ceremony was, was certainly one of them and uh, uh, really grateful for all of them. Um, but yeah, you know, a lot of hard work, determination, understanding that, uh, you know, that, that, it, that, that it wasn't going to be easy. And, uh, you know, I wish I would, I kind of had and kept that mindset as I got into the NFL. Well, l- let me ask you this coming up and, and this podcast, I'm, I'm hoping to, to really hopefully educate and form either an athlete or a young coach or a business leader. Let me ask you this coming up. Were you a football guy only? Did you play multiple sports? What did you do out in Montana? Uh, there probably wasn't a whole lot to do, and no, I'm just joking. All right, what, what did you do out there in Montana coming up, junior high, middle school? What did you? Were you just a football guy? Oh, no. I mean, if football season was over, and then it was basketball. Uh, basketball season was over, and it was track and field, and and baseball and in the summers was really, you know, all about, all about baseball and fishing. And that was, that, that was my life. Um, you know, basketball, ba- basketball was my favorite sport and everybody thought I would, I would go on and play basketball. In fact, I even uh, walked on the basketball team at Washington state my freshman year. Um, Mike Price just really finally came to me and said, Hey, you know, and I found that out pretty quickly. 95 in 1995, UCLA was the, uh, national champions and they came in and played us and uh, i got to see firsthand that that i probably couldn't make a living at playing basketball that uh, college football was probably gonna have to give me the best shot at that and uh, and it certainly did so so you played really you played four sports in high school 
yeah, I, I, I played football, basketball, baseball, and then I, and I ran track. Uh, and played, you know, I played on the golf team too. I wasn't very good. Um, but, uh, I mean, anything I could compete at, you know, that's what I, that's what I did. I wanted to compete at anything. Well, we, we try to tell our 13 year old the exact same thing. Cause he just wants to be a basketball guy and he doesn't want to play baseball. Uh, for young athletes, uh, in today's world that, that we have to start specializing when we're eight years old on, on one sport. Uh, you you got a Heisman candidate that we're talking to today uh, that played four sports in high school um, that was the number two pick in the NFL draft and still made it. Uh, I think the common denominator is is competing. So I, I I will compete. Like if you came up to the house right now, we're playing Monopoly. I'll try to kill you in Monopoly. It doesn't really matter what sport or what game. It's is competing. I'm assuming you. I think that's what separates the average ones. From the special ones, and you were one of the special ones. Why were you one of the special ones? That's what we're trying to figure out. You know, it's unknown. I didn't have a trailblazer, right? I'm the only, I'm the only Montana never to be drafted in the first round of the NFL draft, right? There, there are more first round draft picks in the Manning family than the whole state of Montana <laughs> ever. So, you know, there's there wasn't there really wasn't a, a blueprint or a, a, a pathway. I I kind of did it and, and I burnt a lot of bridges along the way. So I, I wouldn't necessarily look at my path as, as the, is the success story because I just, I competed at everything and I pushed some people away and I, my behavior for some was, was, was seen as was, was rash and, and abrasive and things like that. But I just, I thought it was the only way I could get out of that, that small state and, and, and achieve my dream. So there would definitely been things I would have done differently, but I also don't know if that fine line um, would have continued to get me to where I needed to get to and uh, and be successful. Uh, I'll never know. I, I I just know that I'm. I wish I would have treated people better. I think that's probably the. If, if I was treated poorly by anybody, I developed a real defensive and resentful um, nature about them, and I tried to get back at them and the only way i knew how to do that was that was usually embarrass them on a basketball court or a baseball field or football or a football field that's just how i knew how to do it and and that's the way i would well i I think two things there i think number one i think the special ones the elite ones there's a lot of ryan there's a lot of quarterbacks out there there's very few of them who are picked number two in the draft, and there's very few of them who are a Heisman candidate. You, you you have to have an edge, and I think the special ones have an edge. And number two, last time I checked, we're still talking, so you're still alive, which you can go apologize to whoever you want to right now and get that off your chest and then be done with it. Because, we're, listen, as young guys, we're all stupid, especially guys. I mean, we don't even know how to act. I mean, we're morons when we're young and we make st- stupid decisions and we're out there competing. Uh, it's amazing when you go back and say, man, I'm sorry I was a jerk at that moment. Uh, people are encouraged to, to apologize and, and, and move on. Um, all right, so, so all of a sudden you're, you're, you go from Washington State. You're at Washington State. You have a great career. Uh, and all of a sudden you're the second pick of the draft, probably because you wanted to be the second pick of the draft. Um, and you end up with the chargers. So here you go. And you're ready to roll with this 15 year NFL career. Tell us. Yeah, I didn't, I, I, I I maybe thought in my mind that it was going to be as, 
easy as it was in college. And I, I shouldn't say it was easy. It just, you know, you forget that the guys you play in college, there may be one or, or if the team's lucky, have two NFL players on that team where when you get to the next level, every player you're playing against is an NFL player. And, and you really have to, to be vigilant about what you're doing. But the biggest thing of that is that your confidence can be swayed so easily. And elite athletes have a very fragile um, self-esteem when it comes to or psyche. And if, if things don't go well early and things kind of start to get piled on, you could really take a turn. And for somebody who didn't necessarily know how to deal with life on life's terms, when, thing turned, when things turned poorly, um, I did as well. And I, I resorted back to that old behavior of being defensive and resentful and saying what I'd always done, and that's kind of back myself into a corner and fight my way out. And I'd always, I'd always ended up being successful. This was a different this was a different thing. I won my first two starts. No one had done that since John Elway in 1983. And I walked into a game at Kansas City and played the worst worst football game of my life. And I was humiliated. And how I dealt with it was was super humiliating as well. Um, you know, I just I I just couldn't figure out how to deal with it. And just because you're a starting NFL quarterback doesn't mean you you have any life skills. I mean, you're good at football skills but the life skills part you know you need to learn too and you have to be willing to ask for that help and I just I wasn't that person at that time well I mean so helping a young athlete now go back to that moment where all of a sudden you have a bad outing and all of a sudden stuff starts piling on help young guys because young athletes are going through just as much you know everybody it doesn't matter if you have a bad outing against the Chiefs and you're on on tv on sunday playing in the nfl there, there's kids that have a tough time um whether playing middle school basketball and they think uh the whole world's caving in on them uh, so it, that part doesn't matter we all go through that go back to that moment and help a young athlete how do you deal with that type of adversity what should you do how do you deal with it well you have to have the understanding that uh the best way i can put this to you is that you are a flawed human being like everybody else regardless of the fact that you're playing in the NFL or you're the uh, number one recruit coming out of high school. None of that matters. You're not more important than anybody else. And when you're dealing with adversity, it may even be more pronounced because everybody else knows about it. That's different. And um, the best way you can do that, just like you've been trained by trainers, by strength and conditioning staff, your brain is the biggest and most important muscle you'll ever train. And you find somebody to help train you. And that's usually a therapist. And it's not because you're crazy. It's not because you're weak. It's because you are an elite athlete. Utilize everything you can to be the most fundamentally, technically, and spiritually sound athlete you can be if you want to do this for a long period of time. So, I mean, you, you got – but, you know, admitting we got issues and going to see somebody, I mean, that's like for a guy. I mean, you just can't do that and you're a, you look weak. Looking back on it, that's probably what you thought at that moment. And um, how do you, you know, did, when did you get over that? Well, I mean, I had to be humbled, you know, in a way where I woke up in a prison cell. That, and so that's my hope is that it doesn't take that kind of humi- that that humbling for others <clears throat> to get to that place. Um, that's why I continue to go out and speak and, and tell my story. That's that's exactly why I do it because I don't want anybody ever to be as miserable as I was uh, and where it had to take me. And that's my hope. 
And usually when I walk in, I ask the question, you know, what are you willing to do to be the, the best of the best? And if your answer isn't anything, then there's nothing I can really do for you. Because you have to be able to surrender and accept help. You can't be the one that's always right. You know, it, you can't because you're not. Nobody is. No one's perfect. You need help. You just have to be willing to accept it. Uh, and that's a huge part of it. Are, are you working with young kids? Are you working because I think it'd be great working with young quarterbacks? You need to have your own quarterback camp. You need to have your <laughs> own elite camp. Do you, are you working with young guys? I know you're doing some football stuff uh, for radio and you're doing football stuff for TV. Are you working with young kids? You know, every opportunity I get, you know, I speak to a lot of middle schools and high schools um, and things of that nature, but not any one-on-one uh, scenarios. Um, realistically, I don't know if I have uh, enough time right now. My schedule is, is, is pretty darn busy, which I'm happy that it is, but um, I don't know if I necessarily have the patience either to, <laughs> to kind of be in the coaching realm, but I'm, I'm more than happy to, to consult and and. and and be a voice if I can, if, if someone's willing uh, and, and wants to hear that. Well, I, I'm, I'm dealing with a lot of coaches now, and, and I will tell you this. Coaches who have coaching taken from them really struggle, all right? Kind of it's like, it's like a, a, the shuttle coming back into this, the Earth's atmosphere. It struggles coming back, <laughs> coming back in. When, when you're an athlete or you're a coach and you go back to the real world – it is uh, quite of an, an adjustment for a coach. I, I, I'm assuming being the number two pick in a draft and a Heisman finalist and, and Ryan Leaf coming back to the real world was a bit of an adjustment. Well, it, it, it always is going to be because no matter what, um, no matter how far I disappear or go away, my name gets brought up every April, you know, they consider me one of the, the biggest draft busts of all time. And then being drafted alongside arguably the greatest to play the position in Peyton Manning, that, that keeps my name in the media. Um, I had to learn to accept it, understand and, and move on. And sometimes psychologically that affects people in a different manner. And I, I've been doing a lot of research and kind of looking into that, how the word bust and how the, the media criticism and things like that have affected certain professional players that didn't meet expectations and how they've been able to move on with their life in a positive and healthy way and how some others like myself dove into this negative and toxic version of it and either haven't come out of it or uh, like in my case, come out the other side and understand that, you know, it, it really wasn't that important. The importance was placed on by others and myself thinking that this was the end-all be-all and this was the only thing important that I was going to do which isn't the truth and not the case so it's important to have that understanding that that uh, I'm just like everybody else and I have to really work on the things that make me a, a solid human being before any of the other stuff even becomes a reality it's it's the same thing about a coach uh, because we're trying to help young coaches too you lose four games in a row and you put so much on yourself and that you, you absolutely lose your mind. Um, it, it is the same thing what you went through. You think so much of yourself and you think everybody is putting all this on me. We're all flawed. We all screw up. We all lose games. If there's 500 games yesterday in college basketball, there were 500 winners and there were 500 losers. That's just part of it. And then in five years, 
nobody even remembers who won or lost those games. And but we still think it's the biggest thing in the world. And and I'm assuming coming out, uh, you know, here's the deal with your deal. Would if you asked if you asked 500 quarterbacks, would you like to go to Washington State have that success? You did play in the Rose Bowl, correct? Yes, sir. So you you played in the Rose Bowl. Uh, you were a Heisman finalist. You were number two pick in a draft, and and then so called you were the biggest flop. Bang, bang, bang. Would you all take that career? Five hundred out of five hundred would do it. So, uh, as you look at yourself, I wouldn't think of yourself as a as a flop because what you did was you got dusty, you got blood on your face, you got sweat in there, you got in the arena. As Roosevelt would say, you got in the arena. It's better to be in the arena and fail than never, than, than be too scared to get in the arena at all. Yeah, I, I totally agree. You know, I had to just have a different, had to have a shift in my perspective and understanding. Um, two years ago, there was a study done um, about NBA and NFL players. And... Um, there were 91,775 eligible players uh, in, division, in, in football and in basketball in, in the NCAA eligible for the draft. 303 of those, which is less than 1%, mm-hmm. were drafted into the NBA and the NFL. Those statistics right there are, you just, you don't look at them. You just, you're, you're so in your own bubble and your expectations are higher than anybody else's, you know. And then all of a sudden you hear all the, the, the constant criticism and and you're depressed as it is and you start to believe it. And you really do. And it takes you down a path that some never come out of. And uh, that's like I, what I was talking about. I've just been doing a lot of research and, and understanding a lot about the human psyche, especially those who were considered to be so great and were great and have to be recognized still that they were great, that it just didn't, it didn't work out at the next level. And there's a difference in greatness. That's all in understanding. And there's some who have moved on and done very well for themselves and had a better understanding about what right life truly is. And it just took me, you know, an extra long time to finally figure that out. A lot of people don't ever figure it out, but we're going to fast forward through a lot of this because I just want you to help, uh, other people, and so number number one, you go from you go from the Chargers, and then you you take a cup of coffee with a couple other NFL teams, and then you find yourself in a jam, and then you really find yourself in in jail, um, laying down on a bed in jail, and then you say what? And then what did you do? How is your psyche? What did you do to get out? Because most of us are going. We may not be in jail, but we're going to be at the bottom. You know, everybody's going to be at the bottom sometime in their life, and that was your bottom. How did you get from the bottom out of that deal and, and to who you are right now, who is a, a great dad and a husband and a productive human? Well, it really came down to, you know, a 180-degree lifestyle change, and it happened while in prison. My my college or my prison roommate was a Afghan-Iraqi war veteran, and uh, he he tried to better himself every day he was in there. And I wasn't. I certainly wasn't. I was as self-loathing and angry as I'd ever been. And one day he'd had enough, I guess, of watching me mope around. And he confronted me and told me I had my head buried in the sand and that I didn't understand the value I had, not only to the men in there, but for when I got out. And so he suggested we go down to the prison library and help prisoners who didn't know how to read learn how to read. And that's what we did. 
and I, I didn't go, you know, willingly, you know, I was, I went, but I wasn't open-minded and I saw men who were being vulnerable in the most unvulnerable place where you're not supposed to show any vulnerability and ask for help. And we did, we helped them. And I, I, I found out eventually that I was being of service to another human being for the first time in my life. And that was going to have to be the foundation of who I was moving forward. And it could never, ever again be about me. It had to always be about uh, another human being. And that's what I've tried to do. You know, I've, I've, I've messed up and, and not met those expectations on a daily basis, but uh, I've been more aware of it. And I, and I try to wake up and, and, and do it again the next day the best way I can. And it's gotten me this far. And I'm going to continue to place it at the forefront of my life because it's really truly given me the life of my dreams now. Well, that is, um, you know, I got a buddy, my, I got a buddy of mine who was coaching. Um, he was coaching college football and he got a retired, got mad and kind of left and, and, um, he was struggling, didn't have a purpose and, um, started actually helping, um, Parkinson's patients, um, work out and do their exercise in the afternoon and he fell absolutely in love with it because he was coaching and helping others. So I think, you know, I mean, it sounds like you had that same, uh, you know, all of a sudden that same moment that he had, all of a sudden you help others. They don't care that Ryan Leaf was a football player. That dude had no care. He didn't probably even know. He was just appreciative that you were helping him learn how to read. Well, you know, who knows how I viewed it or what, but it's, it's, it, it put me on a different, different path, um, which, which is, which I'm extremely grateful for. And I can't say enough about that. Tell, tell, uh, as we close here, tell regular people, not just athletes or they can be athletes. How do you, how did you fight? How did you get over most people where you were stay there? All right, because life screwed me, I got screwed, I'm in jail, I'm done. How do you fight every single day, whether it be with addiction, whether it be with coming out of depression? How do you fight every day? How, how do you do it? And, and give us some advice. You know, just surrender and acceptance. You have to first surrender and ask for the help. And then you have to be willing to accept what that help is. Because a lot of times people are, you know, they can ask for help. But then when you lay it out in front of them and what it looks like, they still go back to, hey, you know, I'll, I'll just, I'll do it my way. Our, our way doesn't work. Our way, in my case, takes me to a prison cell. So I needed, I needed to surrender and accept help, and that's exactly what I did. I recommend that for anybody, um, and have an understanding that, that, this too shall pass. It really will. People really look at my story and 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 see this this drastic thing, but. You know, I don't mean to underestimate what my struggle looked like. It was just a rough patch I had to get through, like anybody else. Mine was just done in a very public manner. That's all. Uh, and it probably saved my life because of that. Uh, every time I messed up, there were consequences firmly placed at my feet because of what I did. There's those that are going through exactly what I went through that are in the darkness, never seen again. And that's the reason why we continue to reach out and try to help. So none of that has to happen, and we don't lose another precious human life. 
You need to be speaking at the uh, – do, do you speak with the NFL young guys? Does the NFL have you speak at all? They have me as a, a mentor for some of the uh, young men at the scouting combine a couple years ago. Um, you know, and every opportunity I, I, I get, I, I, I'm grateful for, and I, and I take the opportunity to, to, to speak my story and, and just and, and continue to be out there for people. I mean, there's very few Bradys. There's a lot more guys who are going to have a, a moment or two and, and have an NFL career for two years and, and be done. And those guys need a lot of help. And and look at you, you're you're killing it. You're doing a, you're doing great. You're happy. You're successful uh, without football. Uh, if you were Mike Leach's offensive coordinator, y'all be scoring ninety eight points a game instead of I don't know about eight, that. instead of eighty eight points. Would you play as crazy as he is? He as nuts as we think he is. I, I think he I think he's pretty pretty just bare and simple. You know, he just has a routine. This is what he does. He doesn't. He doesn't really um, move off that line. Um, if you talk to him about football, you're not going to get too much interesting. He's been doing the same thing for, you know, 25, 30 years. You want to talk to him about marriage and and otherworldly things, you're going to get some crazy answers just because it's just where his mind goes. He's really focused on football, and he's got a he's got a lot more time to think about other things because he does the same thing over and over every day when it comes to football. And he's been very successful at it. So he's very simple. Very simple. Uh, I mean, but they're they're throwing that football. I mean, he he started doing that 112 years ago, and he and he's continued. To, but people are catching up, but he's still successful. Why is that? Well, because people deviate from what he does. They change it. I mean, some have altered their things and, and been been successful at other places. Lincoln Riley at Oklahoma. You know, they run the ball a little bit more. Mike Leach has done the same same thing the entirety. He will not change because <laughs> he's been successful and. You don't fix you don't fix what ain't broken, in, in in his opinion and a lot of people's opinion. If you can win in Lubbock at Texas Tech and win in Pullman at Washington State, there's something to be said about that. He's a winner. Uh, for all you basketball coaches out there listening to this podcast, it, it and I'm telling you, I talk about Rick Bird at Belmont all the time. That that is the guy who is doing very similar stuff that he did 20 years ago. Uh, and all he does is win 20 to 25 games a year. I think they've won 20 games um, for like the last 15 years, every single year. He's going to be in a Hall of Fame from Belmont University, and he does it, and he does it. So find something that you do well. You, you don't have to be tricky and just continue working on what you do because it's, it's worked pretty good for Leach. I mean, that, that, guy, that guy has done an amazing job everywhere, and he hadn't had very good jobs. Not, not that Washington State's not a very good job, but it, Washington State is not the place that all the high-level people go to out there, correct? I agree, yeah. I, 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 think, that, I think that it's important that uh, everybody and anybody who has dealt with anything in their life, your human experience, um, share it. That's how you can be of service to another human being. A lot of people think it's other ways. Donate money, donate time. You simply... Telling your story, being relatable to somebody else, will be exactly that. I defy anybody not to have the most peaceful night of sleep after being of service to another human being that day. I defy anybody to not have that that peaceful night of sleep. I think that's a great way to end this. Hey, thanks so much for your time. Good luck. Uh, if we can ever do anything for you here, yell. But we really appreciate your story and really appreciate your honesty. 
Yes, sir. Thanks, Coach. All right, buddy. Take care. Thanks, man.